Welcome into another episode of Gifted Kid, Messy Adult. I am your host today, Jessica Michaels. My pronouns are she, they. And if you are a frequent listener, then you might notice that my lovely wife, Ellie, is not here with me today. And she is fine. Uh, She just had some, some pressing business that needed to be taken care of. And so today I thought I would take the opportunity to share some about my gifted kid experience. We talk a lot about neurodiversity on the show. And while that is something that is absolutely related to being a messy adult and is something that is common for a lot of gifted kids, we wanted to dig a little bit more into the gifted experience and what makes being a gifted kid so prone to producing messy adults. So I was always a child that was precocious, I would say, to put it to put it nicely. Uh, bossy and loud would be the other ways that I would put it. But I was always very smart. Once I learned to read, I read voraciously and always ahead of the, you know, whatever was appropriate for my my age group. I picked up on things very quickly. And I think the thing now looking back that could have been a sign that perhaps I did have some autistic tendencies uh, in particular was that I got along very well with adults and I spoke like a little adult. At five years old, I would pontificate, uh, not unlike I do on this show, but when you're that young, it becomes a party trick. I remember my parents kind of trotting me out to talk with the adults. And I certainly didn't mind because I didn't relate to kids, especially kids my own age. The closer that kids were to me in age, the less likely I was going to understand how to interact with them at all. So hanging out with the adults was great. And it made me feel good that I could you know, hang out and spend time with the, with the adults instead of the kids. Being at the kids table for me was just the worst kind of punishment because I just didn't get it. I didn't know how to be a kid starting from very, very young. So I went to your standard public school for kindergarten, first grade, and that was it. Uh, And then at in first grade, I was tested and was pulled out to be in a gifted program. But for that, I had to go to another town because there was only one gifted program in the area. So I was bused to another school, probably about a half an hour away, I guess. And that program kept the same kids together for second grade through sixth grade. 
And so it was this very insular group of kids that were together for several years and kind of grew up at the same time together. And I think that for me is one of the things that was unique about the gifted program. And I'm not sure how beneficial that was because we were very segregated from the rest of the school. Everybody knew that there was a gifted program. I mean, that's what they called it, gifted. We were the smart kids, but we were also just different. Everybody else in the school had different classmates every year. Everybody else in the school had some question about who their teachers would be. And we always knew we were going to be together and we knew who our teachers were going to be. And those differences seem really small. But when you're an elementary school kid, any difference is huge. And so those differences made it so that we stood out. I remember being at recess and the gifted kids would cluster together. We would play together. And there were just things that we didn't participate in because those were where the other kids hung out. There was my playground. I mean, a giant cement lot. That is what we had. It was a giant cement lot that backed up to a cemetery. And so me and my friends would walk around and pick up trash over recess because that's the kind of thing that we thought was a normal activity. And then other kids would play Foursquare or kickball or um, there was, you know, just, just some other kind of sports things. And we didn't mix with the other kids. And I think that had to do with, one, the fact that we were familiar with each other. And so we had these, you know, the friendships that kind of stayed the same, you know, throughout those couple of years, but also because we were different. We were the quote unquote smart kids. And that's really gotta be, if you are another kid and you know that there's a group of kids called the smart ones, then how could that possibly make you feel? How could that possibly make you feel but bad or like you are not a smart kid or that maybe you're a stupid kid? So just by labeling us that way, I think it hurt any chances that we had of being friends with other people because whether or not we meant to, we were kind of an elitist little group. And so we didn't mix. And now that we know that gifted kids are part of this neurodivergent population because our brains work differently. And of course, gifted adults fall into that as well. It is, you know, we know that there are so many things working against our ability to interact with people, but especially people our age. And that's elementary school is one of the first times you can really, really see that happening. And so I think 
it was just compounding factors made it so that we didn't interact with other people normally, but that was okay because we had these other kids in this program that we could be with. We were all kind of weird and we all knew each other. And so I wonder, would it have been better if we had been just mixed in with everybody else? Did isolating us hurt us more than help us? You know, I know we would have had difficulties and and challenges had we just been, you know, with other people and had I stayed even at the school that I had been at where there wasn't a gifted program. But would I have gotten any practice? Would I have developed any skills that would have helped me later on? Because absolutely one of the things that has affected me most is my inability to make friends and have friends and get along with people because you have to get along with people your whole life. And so I, I wonder if I would have been better off focusing on those skills in elementary school. I think now there is more of a focus on the interpersonal skills in, in school settings. And I think that's great because being a couple years ahead of your peers in school learning ultimately does not help you very much in the course of your life. But those social skills really, really do help. They're they're necessary. So, so I'm conflicted about whether or not that was ultimately a good thing. I mean, the flip side of that is, would I have just developed more masking behaviors? Would I have learned more things that I needed to try to act out and to try to be? And that's so stressful. And that's so physically taxing. Would that have hurt me even more than my lack of social skills? Or would the bullying and things been so much worse that it would have ultimately been a negative? So I don't know. And I would love to hear uh, about uh, our listeners' experiences when it comes to being in gifted programs and what your thoughts and opinions are. We'd love to hear those uh, in the comments, particularly on YouTube. Share your stories. And in this gifted program, I think another thing that isolated us is we did much cooler stuff than other kids. There was a focus on being hands-on. So we would make slime if we were learning about science, you know, properties, if we were talking about properties of liquids and we would do practical experiments like painting. I remember one where we painted pythons black and uh, uh, pythons of various sizes and put various amounts of water in them to determine how quickly water heated up in, you know, depending upon uh, the the volume and, and the configuration. And we also did things like the knowledge bowl, where we, it was essentially like a, a Jeopardy kind of game. And we would do that in class, but then we actually competed. They sent little kids all around the state of Illinois to battle 
other little smart kids from other schools in these knowledge bowl kind of Jeopardy games. And I don't know how healthy that was either. I'm not sure what we got out of it because it all it did was prove our ability to recall information and click a buzzer. I don't know how applicable that skill is in the, the grand scheme of things, but it was competitive. And again, it put us in this mindset that we held knowledge and that made us different and frankly better. And then we competed. And for a lot of us, I mean, this is certainly not to say that all gifted kids are, are like this. And as with anything, we speak in generalizations, but for the most part, there were not a lot of athletically gifted people in the class that I was in. Uh, definitely most of us had intellectual gifts. None of us were going to play in the NBA. And so we didn't get a ton of positive results in competition. And so to be able to do a contest where being smart was rewarded for a lot of us was kind of our first taste of winning. And that came directly from just knowing random things. And I don't know that second through sixth graders need that in their lives. I'm not sure what benefit it gave us, but it certainly made my dad happy uh, and my mom as well. She was always very, very proud of me, but um, being smart was always something that gave me the ability to talk to my dad. He is very intelligent and we did not particularly get along. And so being in those, those knowledge bowls or those quiz bowls, that gave us something to do. We could practice our trivia together and he was really happy, I guess, or proud. I'm not quite sure exactly what that emotion is when I would compete in these things and I would win. I won a math contest in third grade. Again, it was something that not everybody participated in. Um, the gifted program could send a couple of kids and I got to go. So I won a math contest in third grade. Um, that, by the way, is my peak when it comes to math. It was all downhill after that day in third grade. And then we also got to do things like uh, young authors contests. So I got to go, uh, I think I won something and I got to go to the state capitol and do this whole young authors thing. So within the gifted program, it's like anytime there was an opportunity that the school district had for something special to be done, it automatically was the gifted program that got the benefit of that. And that was certainly great for me, but I, I don't think I was a better author in the fourth grade than anybody else in that school. I don't think it was just those 22 kids or however many of us there were that should have gotten that ability. And it set up an expectation for me that through my life, 
the way I could positively contribute and the way that I could earn my place was to be in these special events. You just expect that if there is an opportunity to participate in something, you will be chosen. Or if there is a way to earn a a special uh, opportunity or circumstance that I would get to do that. And that that was the thing I should always be striving for. And that's something that definitely has stayed with me. Even now when I'm at work, if there's a special project, if there's a good assignment, you know, things like that, I expect to be chosen. And if I'm not, I really have to deal with that. And I don't think, you know, that's not necessarily unnatural. I think a lot of us want to be chosen for things, but I'm not sure how much having that as a kid being held up as kind of the goal, I don't know how much that has affected me and how much extra stress I've put on myself through the course of my life because I was given that pattern. And I don't know how much it hurt other kids to never even be considered for things like that. I mean, that's got to be hard too when at at a school assembly, when they're celebrating a kid for winning a, a thing, knowing that you weren't even good enough in the eyes of the adults to be given the chance to do those kinds of things, that can't be good for you. So I don't know. I'm again, I'm I'm conflicted because I'm sure I did learn a lot. And that hands-on style of learning is great for a lot of people. Now that I am in corporate training and adult education, I know that being able to practice the knowledge that you learn is the best way to cement that knowledge in your mind forever. But I am I don't think there was anything special about us. I don't think being good at standardized tests meant that we should get the opportunity to do that and other kids didn't. I don't know that that justified giving us a different curriculum. Um, There's just a lot of things looking back that I question about the whole thing when at the time that was considered very normal. So Uh, Through that program, uh, I would have stayed through sixth grade, but we ended up moving and we moved to an area where their gifted and talented program, which is an even better name, right? Gifted and talented. I guess they assume that before we were gifted and potentially untalented, which is in a lot of ways very true, but this was the gifted and talented program. And the area that I moved to was a little bit different in that there were still the segregated groups, but the area was just so much bigger and it was junior high. So there were probably in a couple hundred um, gifted kids. We were all at one school. And, um, but we were still generally participating in the flow of the normal school day. And we might be in different classes, 
but your pool wasn't, you weren't going to end up in classes with potentially anybody at the school. You were going to end up with some combination of some groups of these kids, but there were more kids. And we had, um, you know, various teachers, you know, throughout the day, more like a high school kind of setup. And there were more opportunities for us to mix academically with other kids. Uh, and those instances for me were terrifying because, again, I was with the same couple hundred kids, people that I knew, but health class or study hall or choir or whatever. I was put into these situations with other kids that I didn't know. And as somebody who had terrible social skills, that was really, really intimidating. Uh, and junior high is definitely when, for me, the bullying really became very intense. And not only that, but the area I had been in had not, you know, obviously it was was different uh, way the programs were run and different curriculum. So all of the other kids had exposure to a lot of subjects and a lot of other, um, you know, facts and things that I didn't have. So I was socially behind all my peers. And then I was now academically behind, which had never happened to me before. I had never been behind. I didn't ever develop study skills because I didn't need to. So now I was academically behind. I was socially behind and I had moved to a much more affluent area. And I had grown up in the country in a rural area. And now I was in a suburb of Chicago. And so that was just a really traumatic time for me. And I had no coping skills because the thing I'd always turned to was being smart, I could rely on that, but now I didn't have that. And again, I wonder how much self-regulation and self-soothing and self-correcting could have been a part of my arsenal had I not been in these isolated areas that I had been in. I mean, realistically, I was kind of a, a dumpy kid, you know, I was um, kind of a gender kid who didn't know that I was a gender. I was autistic and didn't know I was autistic. ADHD didn't know I was ADHD. So like that is not a recipe for success. That time of my life was gonna suck. It's just a question of degrees. How badly would it have sucked? Uh, or would it have sucked in new and different exciting ways if my upbringing had been different? Who knows? So Junior high was was tough. And again, you know, looking back, I think definitely the lack of social skills, definitely the fact that I was bossy. Uh, and the girls who exhibit those types of behaviors are even now still underdiagnosed uh, with autism compared to boys. And uh, ADHD compared to boys, because you think of like hyperactive, you know, somebody's bouncing around a classroom and you think of these more stereotypical signs of neurodivergence and girls exhibit differently. Being bossy is one of them. And the reason that that worked for me being bossy was that I didn't know how to get along with other kids. I didn't know how to interact. But if I was in charge, then I got to set 
the rules. So I would always try to be a leader of whatever thing I could be a part of. And it certainly gave me an image among the people that I was around, you know, that I needed to be in control. But the reason was not what I think people would have expected. It was because I needed to be able to set things up for myself so that I could be comfortable. And that's the only way I could be comfortable. So that is, I think, something now, a trait that people are looking at a little bit differently. First of all, if you're bossy, uh, that's not a bad thing. That's what we call leadership, and that's a good skill. But why are those kids bossy? And is it because they're covering up a deficit? Is it a coping mechanism, a masking skill? The other thing that I remember about that time that I dreaded was being, uh, anytime we had to choose partners, because I would never be chosen. And that you very quickly as a kid learn when you're an outcast and you know very well what that means. And just the, the heartbreak of knowing nobody was ever going to pick me. Nobody was ever going to choose to be with me. So I wish that teachers had just let me work by myself because that's what I wanted. Nobody wants to work in a group or work on a group project, especially if you have no friends, because that would be the only possible benefit would be working with other people if you like other people. When you're in a group project and you're the smart kid, you're going to end up doing the whole thing anyway because you're inflexible and it's probably going to be better than if other people worked on it anyway. So I wish they would have just let me work by myself. But these teachers trying to do the right thing would instead kind of just foist me on some unsuspecting kid who not only didn't want to work with me, but wanted to work with other people. So they would say, no, Sally, you can't work with the person you want to work with. You have to work with Jessica. And just these looks of utter contempt on the face of these kids, these are burned into my brain. Uh, there was a girl that I went to school with whose name was Chenny, and she was very popular. And she complained so bitterly about having to work with me and then turned around and put on the fakest smile, uh, just this sneer when we had to work on a reading project together, that that is a face I still see in my sleep. And I know that a lot of kids get bullied, but again, would I have been better off? Would I have had better ways to deal with all of that if I had done things differently? I, I don't know. I don't know. But being part of the gifted and talented program basically just meant that you know, I, I still don't know how much different the stuff that we learned was, because how could it be? You're not, you're not solving, you know, you're, you're not participating in nuclear physics when you're 12. No matter what program you're in, unless, you know, you're these few kind of savant kids. And we were, we were, again, standardized tests. You know, we participated in standardized tests. We took the SATs, I think was the thing that 
was kind of our, our entrance exam to the gifted program. And there's a skill, I think, to taking standardized tests. So because we could do that, does that mean we should have had a different curriculum than everybody else? I just don't know what the differences were and how that could possibly be justified. And I know a lot of people now, I don't know that there is much difference at all between those of us who, you know, read, you know, the Odyssey compared to people who read Beowulf, which was the big difference. That was one of the things that we identified is that everybody read Beowulf freshman year of high school, except for the gifted kids. And I don't know why. I feel like I missed out not reading Beowulf because everybody else did. And I don't know why or who thought it would be better for us to read a different thing. And it just fed us into honors classes. And that's kind of this mentality that I I don't know how much other kids had was from second grade, we were focused on college. You know, that was the whole thing. That was the thing my parents talked to me about is, oh, you're in the gifted program now. So you'll be in honors classes and then you can take AP classes and then you get college credit. So I was very focused starting at eight on going to college and getting college credit. I didn't exactly know what college credit meant, but I knew I needed to get it. How healthy is that? I don't really know. It's kind of setting yourself up for failure if you do what I did, which is go to college, freak out, have a complete and total meltdown because it's just too overwhelming uh, and start drinking and just miss out on the one thing that you should have been able to do well, which is get college credit. So, uh, but we, I did do the honors classes. I did do the AP classes. And I think looking back, I just don't know. I don't know how different my life would be if I hadn't been in those programs and if I hadn't had such a focus my whole life on being smart. Of course, it's not bad to be smart, but how good is it really? It seemed to me now that it benefited the adults much more than it benefited any of us because my parents got to have a smart kid. But that also, for some reason, just made the adults think that we were fine. That whatever else, whatever came up in life, we would be fine because we were smart. And so was there less attention paid to us by school counselors? I think so. Uh, Was there less emphasis on getting some of the kind of like real real world knowledge less of a focus for us because we were doing these different things and, and special things. And I have a really hard time thinking that for the majority of gifted kids that it's worth treating everybody differently because Again, if you're testing somebody based on just a very limited skill set, like standardized tests, 
that is not enough of an indicator that you should be privy to this whole different style of teaching than you would be if you didn't take the standardized test or you weren't quite as good. I think there are a ton of kids that would have benefited from the accelerated pace that was in the gifted program. I don't think that the the material that we were exposed to was inaccessible to the majority of kids. So I don't know. I think that I would really need to see a lot more evidence that these differences were tied to success. And I think for a lot of us, it's not. I think this idea that, you know, you know from early on that you have this potential and this potential means that you can do anything. When you're an adult then and you struggle or you go to college and you flame out and you know, if you, when you don't develop study skills because you don't need to, and so when that catches up with you, which it inevitably does, you are such a failure. And your whole self-worth is wrapped up in this one thing that it is devastating in a really significant way that... I don't think reading the Odyssey can possibly make up for. I knew from childhood that I was special and that because I was special, I was going to do special things. So when I ended up working in retail, it's like I failed. There is no successful path other than the special path. I don't know what the special path is but I'm meant to do something and I'm meant to do something great. And so if I don't, then I am nothing. Even if I did something great, because I love what I do, you know, being a, a neurodiversity advocate and being able to coach people and really make a difference in people's lives is fantastic. But part of me will always feel like a failure because I didn't become a doctor and a lawyer and president and an archaeologist and a history professor and all of these other things. So even though I've succeeded by a lot of measures at something, every other thing that I didn't do is a failure because I could have done them. And by could have, I mean, I was smart enough to become an archaeologist and smart enough to become a lawyer and smart enough to become any of these things. And so there is absolutely no situation in which I can succeed because doing one thing means you're not doing all these other things. That's a really difficult way to get through life and combine that with the fact that there are a lot of gifted, former gifted kids that do end up being ADHD and do end up being autistic because there's the spiky profile, right? There's these elements of extreme ability that are tied with areas of extreme difficulty. But all your life, you've only attended to these areas of strength 
and never developed anything to help you with the difficulties that when you get thrown into the real world, you combine that with the this issue of potential and being a messy adult to me for the majority of us is kind of the inevitable thing. We were set up for failure in a big, big way. And, and I think from a lot of the people that I talk to, that's one of the things that really hurts. I mean, if you fail, you fail. Everybody fails at stuff, but it is just made so much bigger because of the way a lot of us were taught and and raised and what we were taught to value. And it also meant that when you came up against somebody that was smarter than you, then it engendered a lot of negative feelings, a lot of jealousy and and things like that that it made it even harder to relate with other people because most of us didn't get an identity outside of being the smart one. That's what we were. We were the smart kid. So when you're not the smart one, what do you do? I'm sure that the adults who made these programs and things thought that they were doing a good thing. But I don't ultimately know that that's true. I really suspect that it's not. And I would suspect that a lot of us, even on paper, if we, you know, that it says we've succeeded, would feel like we didn't, that we were failures. And also for a lot of us, there are huge difficulties in our lives that we feel like we shouldn't be encountering because we should be able to deal. We should be smart enough to not deal with things like depression and bipolar and anxiety and disability and chronic illness. And and so it makes you feel like it's your fault and that you're lazy and that you're not as smart as people thought you were. You're really dumb and you just fool people and that you're pathetic and all of these things that I think are a direct result of this unique brand of childhood trauma. Now, certainly don't want to diminish anybody else's childhood drama. Childhood just sucks. I I understand that some people actually enjoy their childhood. I do not know these people, but apparently that is a thing. Uh, I, I think it's a myth, like that it's possible to wake up feeling rested, uh, you know, and that it's possible like not to be in in pain all the time. I think these are things that people make up uh, because I I don't know anybody like that. But I think this unique blend of circumstances really makes for just a special kind of hell for a lot of us. So, um, but there's nothing wrong with being a gifted kid that is a messy adult. There's nothing wrong with being a messy adult at all. We're all okay, we're all fine. And it's not, it's not our fault. It's not your fault. You're not stupid. You're not pathetic. You're not lazy. Uh, you are doing great. And just by getting up every day or being awake every day, or even most days, even some days, you're all good. You're all good. You're all good. So I hope that 
you have enjoyed um, this, uh, this special episode. Uh, we will certainly have Ali uh, on an episode doing a solo gig sometime as well. We do drop new episodes of Gifted Kid Messy Adult every Wednesday. Please, please rate and review us wherever you can, particularly on uh, Apple Podcasts. That really does help the show. And share it with any gifted kid, messy adults that you might know. If you would like a free coaching or consultation session with me, or if you'd like me to come speak at your organization, or come do some neurodiversity work at your place of business, you can always reach out to me at uh, coachjessicamichaels.com. That's coachjessicamichaels.com. And we will be with you again next Wednesday. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring Ellie back. So for both of us, I'm going to say have a wonderful and safe week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.